0: All right, leading us off in the fan focus, it's going to be Ken and Anthony. As the two of them discuss Joe Flacco.
1: You had people fall in love with Joe Flacco. They did. Unlike people are still getting the jerseys that were on back order. Unlike they're still coming in. And they are going to wear them to the stadium next year. Seems like we're not going to have a home game until October, but they're going to wear them to the stadium next year. I'm just going off this Brazil stuff. That's all. I Brazil likes Flacco, too. Uh, Well, then, you know what? They're going to get on a flight. They're going to wear Joe Flacco jerseys in Brazil. They are not going to – no. They are not going to do that. Part of this is a business, and you're going to hate hearing this, and I don't like telling you about this, is no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If it does, I will gladly eat my words. I will gladly – I eat a lot of things. I'll gladly eat my words on that. There is not one chance I believe that they will bring him back. And record it, and you can throw it right back in my face. And that isn't based on anybody I talked to. That's certainly not based on that. They would tell me if I talked to anybody over there about this, they would say that they're trying to bring back Joe Flacco. And they would love to have Joe Flacco back. Because that's what you're going to tell your public who really loves Joe Flacco and what he did over the final part of the NFL season last year and got the Browns to the playoffs.
2: You're going to tell your fan base that. I just, well, no, I make not sure. going to happen. I and do... I refuse to believe it. Look, a playoff run is a playoff run. So we were, right. all, we were all hopped up on the Flacco fever. I think we all knew... Not even in the back of our minds. I think we we flat out could all say, you know, the the likelihood of somebody like Flacco continuing to play like this, but that didn't mean we weren't invested. Like that was fun. That that had everybody awesome. in this city. The songs. So we're not allowed to play song parodies anymore. How many song parodies were we sent, Kenny, That people were Do, desperately mean, asking for us Honestly, over on the radio.
1: It, honestly over a dozen.
2: I'm with
0: Ken. It'll be a massive surprise to me if Joe Flacco ends up wearing a Browns uniform. I, I think I think it's come and gone. I think it's done. That's fine. I enjoy the ride. I think he's earned a chance to be a starter somewhere, and I think he knows that. I don't think it's going to go well for him. I need to put that up, up there as loud as I possibly can, because I, I think in Cleveland it'll go well for him because he had the weapons here. He had uh, Stefanski knew how to make it work. There was something that just jived instantly between uh, even guys like David and Njoku and Joe Flacco. I don't think it's going to work the same way with other players. I don't know. Maybe he's just in a, a different part of the NFL where it's evolved into the perfect setup for what Joe Flacco is at 38, now 39 years old. Maybe. I'm, I'm going to hold my breath on that one. I think it works in Cleveland. I don't know that it'll work anywhere else. But he owes himself the opportunity to go out there and be a starter for another team, and ultimately, I think that's what's going to happen. We talked about this a little bit last segment. I didn't tell you what it was. I just teased it being a cousin of the the bachelorette parties that put the Venmo and want you to send them drinks in the back of their car. Well, Nick was talking about somebody putting a just-divorced sign on the back of their car, and he saw it earlier today.
3: In this case, I don't
0: like that she's so
3: over-the-top with it that I'm automatically assuming She's the one that should be relieved to have the divorce. Like it's almost like she's painting herself as like the the um, victim. Yeah, the victim of the in marriage. It. And I would like to know more about the other person. And I'm assuming it's a guy. I shouldn't assume that. I want to know what the other person was that
0: we are finally
1: divorced. I think you're mostly butthurt that you can't get the context.
0: Yes. Why are you, uh, by the way, assuming that maybe? What if this was a guy?
3: That is not a man's car. No. How can you say that?
1: Because. The South Carolina pink tree.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was the other thing. That was another thing that was actually pointed out about this, that it had to be somebody from my old stomping grounds. And, uh, yeah.
1: Now, everybody that has gone to South Carolina has that sticker.
3: So it doesn't mean they're from there? Because I forgot because they put a heart over there. It just means
1: they went there
3: once. Um, All right. Let's get back to the, the thing here. You're not wrong. I, and it's not, I don't care. I just, like, I kind of feel like if you are saying finally divorced, that other person better have been a real bastard.
0: I actually think the person probably isn't a real bastard. I feel like the person with the just divorce sign is probably the worst uh, a part of this equation. Because if they're truly a bad human, I mean, like, bad human to the core probably don't celebrate that divorce you probably just kind of sweep it under the rug because you poor uh, choice you chose poorly i feel like people celebrate divorces when people are maybe not the greatest in life but also probably not worthy of you know what you would typically find in a divorce I I don't know. I I might have a mixed bag of emotions on this one because I tend to think that people get divorced sometimes because their friend group is getting divorced and it's like uh, one one of my friends are doing it, then I start doing it and divorces become contagious. I've seen it too many times in life where one person gets divorced and the other person gets divorced and it just kind of becomes a trend and then people end up regretting the divorces. It's It's a whole messy thing. But ultimately, I don't think you should celebrate it. I think divorce parties are one of the lamest things we've ever seen in life. I, I think celebrating a failed marriage is, it's sad. It's sad. You should root for those things to succeed in life. And when they don't, listen, everyone makes their decision in life. I'm sure you have a good reason why. Don't flaunt it. I, I think it's very uncouth. Okay. I think it's, it's very, it's very tacky. And I, I don't, I mean that in the worst way imaginable. I feel it's trashy. Let's put it that way. It's trashy. You shouldn't celebrate those things. All right. Next up, Baskin and Phelps on the Browns going back to the Greenbrier. Nine to ten days at the Greenbrier. Dang.
1: I'll tell you
3: what,
0: man. That league just spends money.
3: <laughs> but they did feel it was beneficial. How much well, did they talk about that down the
0: stretch? Absolutely. They have great golfers. Are we course. taking our show to the Greenbrier or no? I'm going to try to get us down to the Greenbrier. Are we going for a win? What
3: else is going? Why not us? I
0: can't see We'd the Poobah. Be a- I can't see the Poobah paying
3: for our food. We'd Shazana be a blast at the, at the Greenbrier. We would have fun there. We would have a blast there kidding me We'd can you see the
0: Bob picking up the tab for us to i hope he doesn't Greenbrier for a week now. yeah it's not happening they are not going to the Greenbrier. i like that the browns are going back to the Greenbrier, though and i like the boondoggle attached to it all hey we really bonded we got along great like, like stefanski and company needed this in the worst way imaginable more so than the idea that he won coach of the year is the idea that he got to go back to the Greenbrier for nine days of golf, bonding, good dinners? I mean, President's Day at the Greenbrier. This is a this is a well-to-do place and a well-to-do operation. I like this. This is a it's a good development. I don't think Donovan called bank. By the way, the bank's open. I don't think he called bank. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. All right, next up, Ken and Anthony on warning coworkers about the conditions on the roads.
2: What I wondered is, do you expect a coworker who goes the exact same way as you and is probably earlier than you every single day, do you expect them to give you a heads-up on whether or not there are cops or highway patrol? Yes, please. Absolutely not. (laughs) Only because there's a a couple
0: factors into this, and Ken, who used to also drive that way when he lived in Ridgeville, actually... One time yep. Ken texted me, I still remember it. I still remember the exit right off of Columbia, right at the ramp. Ken texted me and said, Hey, there's one at Columbia because that's not a normal spot. You and I are The team. spot
1: where that bingo, bingo. The spot
0: where the patrol guy was, you expect it every day. That's the one place I always expected. There's a couple other on my journey in, but that's the one
1: where the rate is 95%. When you're coming in eastbound. There's always that spot right by Rocky River. You don't know by then. You ain't never going to learn. And it ain't my responsibility. Right. But if they're sitting in a different spot, yeah, I'll let you know. And
2: I'll let you know. And that. I have to say, Owen, you have warned me about black ice before. Yeah. And you said, whoa, boy, or hydroplaning. You right. have warned me. I, Owen has been there. So when I saw that cop, and I was I was going the speed limit. It was fine. It wasn't going to be a problem. And I, I texted immediately to the group, hey, should Owen have warned me about this? Because I did want to know because I had a jerk of a coworker at a TV station in Syracuse who got mad at me that I didn't. I always beat him to work. He was late, and I think he got pulled you over. You beat somebody else to work? I beat him to work. Wow. Yeah, but that was three o'clock in the afternoon. That was fine. Oh. Okay. I was always I was always getting early. Interesting. And there were some there was some nice there was some nice co-anchors uh, to talk to ahead of time. You know, you got your one-on-one time. It was always worth it to get there early. That's sexy. <laughs> Continue. It worked. Got the job done. Anyway, uh, he did get mad. The guy was absolutely mad because he got pulled over, and he said, "You couldn't tell me." And I'm like, "Dude, it's every day. You're always, you're always late. I've seen you in my rearview mirror before. <laughs> I can't, I can't make this my responsibility every single day if I'm on the phone. I got to put the phone down, text it. Like it's just not happening.
0: I've never heard of it being a coworker's responsibility." Never. But I've never thought about it that way either. I've never thought about the idea because I don't share a ride in with anybody. If I shared a ride in with somebody and I knew they were coming from Solon and they were coming here and, and we were sharing the same exact thing, if I saw something, see something, say something, right? Why not? Especially that early in the morning, too. I saw going home last night. I saw I saw cops in a spot that they typically aren't in, and he was hidden off in the bushes. It's like 12.15, I'm going home, and he was hidden off in the bushes just waiting for somebody to be speeding. Now, I drive... I drive like a 75 year old lady. I mean, I just it just is what it is. I drive. I'm the speed limit. I don't go any faster than that, and that's just who I am. Haven't I have not? I don't drive over the speed limit for it's been like 15 years. I, I used to speed a ton. I got over that. Now if the speed limit's 65, you catch me going 66. That's about as high as I go. And uh, I and so I was fine. But if I had somebody tail me, tailing me or someone that I, I worked with, I knew was coming behind me. I guess I would text them. So I would be like, hey, listen, it's a it's a cop in a spot that they're typically not in. Be on the lookout. See something, say something. Alright, next up, it's gonna be Nick on Nick Chubb. Here we go. There is time with this. I'm not really sweating this,
3: but there is that kernel of doubt in my head. And some of it is just and, and some of it's just cliche, right? Well, Nick Chubb's a running back and analytics doesn't really value a running back the same way. Well, Nick Chubb's going to be 29 in December. Um, there's a myriad of like little cliches. The the running back position has never been more devalued. Nick Chubb is a run-first guy. He is a brilliant runner, but they've never really explored his value in the past game. And really, analytics loves dual-threat uh, running backs, guys who can do a little bit of both. All-purpose running backs, I think is a better way to put it. So, all those cliches are really the kernel of doubt. The reality is, I think I know how damn good Nick Chubb is. I think the Browns know that he's more than a running back, and even though teams like to use things like, well, we just when it comes down to football, that's all we really care about here. We don't, you know, we're not sentimental, we don't make emotional decisions. And I think that's mostly true. I think I think the Cleveland Browns are really almost to a, a state of paralysis. They pay attention to the, the messaging of their fans and what their fans say back to them. And I think they realize it would have to be the highest DEFCON or lowest DEFCON. I don't really know how any of that crap works. It would have to be the highest level situation to to get to a point where those two parties don't, like, they're not together for next year.
0: We talked a lot about Nick Chubb in the first hour of the show, Odyssey Rewind. Go back and listen to that one if you want to. Uh, I think it was a good good first hour, and uh, we had a lot to cover about Andrew Barry and what he had to say. Uh, we have a fascinating development here in the Cavs game. Uh, did the Cavs turn that ball over? Yeah, that was just a turnover right there. Bug. Now listen, we're gonna talk about the Cavs as soon as the Cavs game ends up. We we don't have much time left in that Cavs game. Was that Mobley into Struce or into Garland? I think he was going for Garland. It kind of went for both. That was really that was really poorly done, and something that we're going to talk a bunch about, especially if they end up on the losing side of this game. Uh, again, we'll keep you posted on anything that does happen. Uh, obviously, the game is still going on, so we're not going to talk too much about it in the current moment, but it's about to wrap up, and when it does, we'll get into uh, some of the nitty-gritty stuff attached to this one and some of what really went down. But if that is if that is how this one goes down, and listen, they got a defensive play that they can uh, go ahead and still get a stop here, and maybe the Cavs end up with a win. Right now they're winning 118 to 117. But these are the type of plays that are maddening if you're JB Bickerstaff, and these are the type of ones you can put at the feet of JB Bickerstaff because it just came out of a timeout. He got to draw that play up. How it goes down that way is inexcusable. And that was Mobley on the inbounds. Is that right? Yeah, Mobley was inbounds. Mobley on the inbounds. Another Cavs turnover. Fifteen to five in the turnover department tonight. Cavs 15 turnovers to the Mavericks five. They have battled in this fourth quarter, though. There's no other way to put it. They have absolutely battled in this fourth in this fourth quarter. I would imagine if the Mavericks were smart, uh they would find a way into Luka's hands. But again, we'll we'll figure this out. Oh! Okay, that was cool. Now, we're on air, so I can't, like, do the play-by-play of that because that's not really how that works. So, uh, I'm just going to tell you something really cool just happened is how that goes down, and that might be one of the wildest endings I've ever seen in an NBA game. Okay. Max Struess, the game winner. Wine and gold over the Mavericks, 121-119, to the final. We'll talk about that and more when we come on back. It was lucky... Yes, of course it was lucky. When it's a half court heave, there's nothing else to say about it than it's lucky, but sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good, I guess. That is one of the wildest wins you are ever going to see. Half court shot. It's even defended. You can see Luca puts his hand up and tries to defend it, and it goes in. We'll talk about it. When we come on back. 216474 to below ninety-two. What a finish for the wine and gold. A winner tonight against the Mavs. Here we go. It's overtime with Jonathan Pito in here with you on The Fan.